This is Scott Becker with the Becker Private Equity Podcast. Thrilled today to be joined by David Pivnik. David's both leads up litigation and, and particularly a lot of work in false claims litigation and commercial litigation for private equity sponsored companies. He talks to us regularly. He's at Firewoods, a lead partner there in the Healthcare and Life Sciences Group. He, he, he talks to us regularly about what trends he's watching in litigation and in healthcare and in private equity. David, do you want to tell us what, what are you watching closely currently? What's top of mind? Absolutely. So, Scott, as you know, and as we've talked about before, one of the large focus areas of my practice is on uh, government investigations and internal investigations. And uh, because of that, I, I am regularly focused and, and remain focused right now on uh, key areas of interest for the Department of Justice and where uh, it's devoting some of its time, effort, and, and resources uh, from an enforcement perspective. So some of the key areas that I'm particularly interested in are continuing to follow issues trailing out of the opioid epidemic. Uh, right now, I'm seeing a lot of activity uh, in the lab space and with regard to urine drug testing and, and how those tests and when those tests are being conducted. Uh, I've also seen some issues that I'm uh, addressing in connection with in connection with the pharmaceutical industry and prescriptions specifically. So I'm seeing that more from the standpoint of physician prescriptions and challenges to the manner in which those prescriptions are being issued, although obviously there's significant scrutiny on the pharmaceutical industry as well. And then I've also seen some, some interesting cases that have come up that have sort of focused on the other side of it where pain practices and other physician practices are being reviewed or, or investigated in connection with their provision of surgeries, um, which you know they, they would argue, I think, are uh, a, a better alternative than just relying purely on opioids, but the government is certainly scrutinizing that as well in the medical necessity of those surgeries. So th those are some of the key areas related to the opioid epidemic. Beyond that, I'm, I'm certainly always focused on issues arising under the anti-kickback statute. I think that continues to be a significant source of False Claims Act activity for the Department of Justice. I think uh, you know violations of the AKS can, can give rise to FCA liability. And one of the things that's interesting is you know we're not seeing sort of cut and dried kickbacks. It's not you know briefcases of money being delivered. Uh, it's typically much more subtle nuances in employment or other compensation relationships that are gaining scrutiny. And it, it's a good reminder to try and be compliant with the safe harbors where possible and also to carefully structure those compensation arrangements. Um, and then the other areas that have sort of come up are monitoring when and how private equity funds have been brought into investigations or litigation, both as sort of witnesses who are providing information, but also uh, on occasions where the government has been bringing enforcement actions. And then looking at how the government has been continuing to scrutinize home health and hospice and issues arising out of the pandemic. So, you know, telehealth and other tweaks to how medicine was previously being practiced. Thank you very, very much. On, on the urine drug screening, in, in, in people that prescribe opioids, pain management practitioners, have this complicated issue of they're supposed to assess people to make sure that they're not giving opioids to people that have drug problems uh, so thus they use urine drug screening to, to test if the person already has opioids in their bloodstream or, or other indicators of a drug problem. And at the same time, when they abuse it, you know, they test everybody for drug screening, 
the government believes that they're abusing it, they're doing too much of it. How do pain management practices walk this fine line between those two issues? Yeah, I, I, sorry, that's a, it's a great question. So I think the first thing is having a urine drug testing protocol in place, making sure it's well calibrated and considers the issues of both the, the necessity to test and make sure you know the drugs aren't being diverted and that they're being used appropriately um, while also not over-testing is important. And, and the protocol so that there's a written framework in place, I, I think is a key starting point. I think the second thing is ensuring adherence to the protocol. And then I think the third thing, and this is key, is it's got to still come down to medical necessity. And that, that therefore means physician discretion and judgment has to be a key part of it. Physicians have to be ultimately responsible for deciding when and who to test and in what frequency, what substances, et cetera. So you want to have a protocol in place sort of as a backstop and, um, you know, it can be helpful to have that, that guideline, but you need to make sure that the physicians are ultimately making the decision. And so usually that then takes the form of a few things. One, make sure that physicians are being given the results of urine drug screens that are actually using those results when counseling patients. It doesn't make sense to be running these tests if the results are being disregarded or not incorporated into the care that's then provided. I think that's critical. Um, making sure that you're not rewarding physicians based on the frequency of testing or things of that nature where, where the incentives could get skewed, I think is also very helpful. And then, you know, avoiding a one-size-fits-all approach. I mean, again, having a protocol is helpful um, but if you have someone who's a patient that is never receiving a prescription, that's obviously going to warrant less intensity for the testing, you know, A, but B, may not require testing at all. Um, and then the other thing to keep in mind is where the government is often focused is things that are sort of recurrent in nature, either, uh, you know, someone is using a panel that the government views as having too many substances being analyzed as a matter of course, or you know, definitive and presumptive tests are being uh, completed concurrently, or patients are getting tested on every visit. So I think it's also helpful to keep in mind that those overarching either data trends that the government is certainly monitoring and that will be noticeable from a review of a practice's data, um, I think it's, it's helpful to be cognizant of that and to try and make sure that the testing approach doesn't sort of have bright lines as to how things are taking place because if things are being done on an individual basis, there should be some variation in, in the testing that takes place. Oh, I think that's actually a brilliant way of looking at this. And it just can't be a factory model when we're running through urine drug screening on everybody. It's gotta be thoughtful. It's gotta be connected to their treatment plan, to their care plan and so forth. And again, you and I have seen situations where this is very carefully done. We've seen situations where us as lawyers would think, oh my God, this might be abused a little bit. I think your perspective on it is brilliant. Um, thank you very much. Again, David Pivnik's with us today, partner at McGuire Woods, valedictorian from his law school, and 3X brilliant, a really, really smart, gifted, tuned-in person and lawyer, fantastic litigator. David, thank you for joining us today on the Becker Private Equity Podcast. Thank you for having me, Scott.